edition of Uptempo Sports 24-7 with your guy, Coach P. How appropriate that we begin this episode with the entertainment for Super Bowl 55. That's right. The weekend will be the entertainment for Super Bowl 55. But before we give you our final analysis for the Super Bowl, I have a rant that I have to get off my chest. So with that, let's get started. We know that Deshaun Watson has expressed his desire to be traded from the Houston Texans. It started out with cryptic messages through songs. Then things started leaking out. And then through his agent, he finally came out and said that he wanted to be traded. Now you have all these people chiming in about what Deshaun should or should not do. And what angers me or has me going on this rant today is the hypocrisy of certain people that come out and express their ideas. And who I'm referring to off the top is one Brett Favre. The one person who should never be talking about what anybody wants to do in their career is the is now trying to be the spokesperson to tell us when an athlete should or should not do. Brett Favre is now Laura Ingram. If you recall, Laura Ingram was the reporter that told LeBron James to just shut up and dribble, that he shouldn't have an opinion about anything outside of basketball. This is what Brett Favre is saying here. Brett Favre is saying in so many words, Deshaun, just shut up and play football. You don't have the right to exercise any power or be upset about the dysfunction of the Houston Texans organization. They're paying you a lot of money to play quarterback. Just play quarterback and let the chips fall where they may. I find it quite interesting that Brett Favre, of all the people who stand up to talk about what Deshaun Watson should do, is the very person that tried to stranglehold the Green Bay Packers for years when he was playing for that organization. It was first he was upset that they drafted Aaron Rodgers. I understand that. He was at his peak, so I get it. But Green Bay was trying to prepare for the future. And Aaron Rodgers slid to them down at the, I think it was the 24th pick. You had to take him at that spot. It's not like they drafted him number one. He slid to them in the first round. You had to take someone with his talent. You had to take him at that spot. Number two, Brett Favre was the the quarterback, just like we've seen with Ben Roethlisberger, that seems like as he prolonged his career, every other year he was saying that he was going to retire. He kept telling the organization in his mid-30s, I'm going to retire. I think I'm going to retire. So what else are they supposed to do? They can't sit there and be without a quarterback because we know in this league you have to have 
that's the most stabilizing position in the NFL is to have a franchise quarterback. So they had to make sure that they had somebody that was going to carry beyond Brett Favre when he retired. Not only did Brett ask or say that he wanted that he was going to retire, then he comes out and demands a trade once they decide that they want to segue possibly over to Aaron Rodgers. Then he demands to be traded. So you have that aspect. Then you have Brett Favre, the same person who's talking about that Deshaun Watson should just shut up because he gets paid a lot of money and just play the quarterback position. This is the same guy that whined about wanting to be retired, the same guy that wanted to be traded, and then the same guy when he got sent to New York that sent inappropriate pictures to a female reporter. This is that guy. So why should we be listening to anything that this guy says? As, as, the, as the phrase goes, those who live in glass houses should not throw stones. Brett Favre, every window on Brett Favre's house should be, should be shattered at this moment because he is the last person that should be criticizing any decision that an NFL player makes. He's the last one that should have the right to come out of his mouth and criticize or critique anything that an NFL player or any athlete wants to do with their career or their life. The Houston Texans organization is a dumpster fire. It's not necessarily that Deshaun wants to leave because of the fact that they maybe didn't include him on the process of hiring a GM or the coach. Let's go back to the whole Bill O'Brien process, naming Bill O'Brien the general manager when he had no experience. And then on top of that, allowing Bill O'Brien, the organization did, to trade away the second best player on your team and DeAndre Hopkins, Deshaun Watson's favorite target, his really only true target, and you trade that guy away for pennies on a dollar. But Deshaun should want to stay there because he's getting paid a lot of money. And for people like Dick Vermeil, Coach Dick Vermeil, who actually came out and said that he was disappointed in Deshaun Watson and what he's doing to Houston. What about what Houston's doing to not only Deshaun Watson, to J.J. Watt, to the rest of the players on that team? They put themselves in a situation that they are not capable of winning now. They put themselves in a situation where they're on a total rebuild and don't have any assets in which to rebuild. They have no first or second round draft picks, They have no money because they are salary cap strapped, which means that someone like J.J. Watt, who should finish his career in Houston because he's been alongside Deshaun Watson, the face of the franchise, not only the face of the franchise, but the face of the organization in the community, just like Deshaun Watson, they're going to have to trade him away now. Deshaun Watson, who has been the face of the organization, who has been the face of the community, he wants out because he sees that the best years of his career will be wasted. They can't turn this around around overnight. 
it's going to take this process will probably take them the next three to four years to get this turned around. By that time, Deshaun Watson will be no, near 30 years old. And, and he's already been to the playoffs. He wants to compete for a possibility to win a championship. The Texans are nowhere near that. So for Brett Favre to come out of his mouth and insinuate that Deshaun Watson needs to just shut up and play football because he gets paid a lot of money, it's, 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 it's such hypocrisy. Because it's, if we go back to this whole thing about black athletes not having a voice, and it's amazing to me how every time a black athlete steps up and wants to say something, there's criticism that comes from every corner of the landscape. But it's like Brett Favre has amnesia or convenient amnesia. Because I recall in 1983 when John Elway came out of Stanford as the prize prospect at quarterback, he was in line to be drafted by the Baltimore coach that year because they had the number one pick. John Elway told them, do not draft him because he's not coming to play for the Baltimore Colts. Did he catch flack? Yeah, he caught flack. But he found a way to get himself out of that position and they traded that pick to the Denver Broncos where John Elway went on to have a magnificent career and one of the best quarterbacks in NFL history. 2004, Eli Manning and the Manning family constructed a trade where they told the San Diego Chargers Eli would never play for them. He wanted to play for the New York Giants. They forced the Chargers to flip picks. The Chargers got the pick that the Giants had, which was the Giants drafted basically for the Chargers. Phillip Rivers, the pick that the Giants had, Phillip Rivers, they exchanged picks. Eli Manning was taken with the first picks by the Chargers. They flipped their pick with the New York Giants, and the Giants got Eli Manning, and the Chargers got Phillip Rivers. The rest is history. This is what I'm saying, folks. I get tired of these athletes or I get tired of people that are that are not of color always having the feeling like they have the right to tell a black athlete what they should or should not do in their career or what they should or should not do when it comes to something that they want to talk about whether it's politics whether it's something going on in regards to racial issues they shouldn't have anything to talk about. They should just accept everything because they're getting paid and keep it moving. Brett Favre, you're the last person that should be telling or, or, or stating to us what somebody should or should not do. You need to just shut the hell up. That's where I'm at with you. You need to just shut the hell up because you are a hypocrite. The last person that should be talking about what anybody should be doing in their life is you. Because you live in a glass house that has been shattered with this last statement that you made telling Deshaun Watson he makes too much money. He needs and this is the hypocrisy of Brett Favre. He says and one on he's he's two-faced. 
Because on one hand, he says Deshaun Watson should just shut up, play football, play quarterback, and let the chips fall where they may. And then in the same breath, he comes out and says, oh, but he's not wrong in regards to the Texan situation. You can't have it both ways, Brett. You can't sit on the fence. Either you take a stance one way or you take a stance the other way. If you're going to come out and you're going to criticize Deshaun Watson, then stay with that argument. Don't try to sit now and be on the straddling the fence because somebody said something about your situation. Don't straddle the fence when Deshaun Watson's agent comes out and, and questions some of the decisions that you made in your career. Or other people come out and question some of the decisions that you've made in your career. And then now you want to straddle the fence. Nobody's saying anything about Carson Wentz asking about or stating that he wants to be out of Philly. Nobody's saying anything about that. But oh, oh, it's okay because he's he's a white quarterback. So he's it's okay for him to voice that he his displeasure with the Philadelphia Eagles organization, the organization that supported him and fired their coach and kept him, even though he was the same player who got benched in the midst of the season because he played so poorly. I'm not going to say it was all his fault because I think that Doug Peterson has to share some in some of that responsibility for the way that, that Carson played. I think that the Philadelphia Eagles organization as a whole has to share in the way that Carson played because he did not have weapons the last two years because of injuries and just lack of talent on the offensive side of the ball to be the quarterback that they desire for him to be. So I'm not going to put everything in Carson Wentz's lap. But what I will say is this, is that I didn't hear Brett Favre coming out and criticizing Carson Wentz. I didn't hear him saying that Carson Wentz shouldn't be talking about a trade from Philadelphia after the type of season that he had, but he wants to talk about Deshaun Watson. Last time I checked, Deshaun Watson was was on a team that was 4-12, but Deshaun Watson led the league in passing yards. Deshaun Watson was one of the top five quarterbacks statistically this season. Carson Wentz statistically was the worst quarterback in the NFL. But I didn't hear Brett Favre coming out and criticizing Carson Wentz because he wants to be traded because of the fact that possibly he might not get his job back because of the fact that they drafted another quarterback in the second round to potentially push him to be better. Jalen Hurts pushed Carson Wentz to the bench. But I didn't hear Brett Favre coming out and saying that Carson Wentz should just be quiet because he's getting paid a handsome sum of money as well. And he's played poorly and he's been injured. So let's take all that into the equation. Carson Wentz, statistically the worst quarterback in 2020. Carson Wentz making a whole hell of a lot of money that's going to kick in in this 2021 season. Carson Wentz, who basically was acting like a petulant child when he didn't play to his best, up to his best ability or up to the ability that the Philadelphia Eagles inspired him to play at and got benched by a rookie quarterback in Jalen Hurts. Now he wants to take his football and go home. He wants to be traded. I should say, I'm sorry, he do not want to take his football and go home. He wants to take his football and go somewhere else. But again, I didn't hear Brett Favre criticize Carson Wentz 
for his performance this year. I didn't hear him tell Carson Wentz, you're making, you're ready to kick in to make about $34 million. You need to shut up too and just play quarterback and let the chips fall where they may. I didn't hear Brett Favre talk about that. But you want to talk about Deshaun Watson. And if you have eyes and ears, you see the dumpster fire that's going on with the Houston Texans. Why would anybody of Deshaun Watson's caliber, regardless of the fact that he just got... And this whole thing about... This whole idea that he took the money. Well, let me explain something to you guys. What else was he supposed to do? He was due to receive a payday. He has outperformed his rookie contract. So what is he supposed to tell the Houston Texans? Oh, you know what? I'm dissatisfied with you guys. So no, I don't want to get a, I don't want to get a pay raise. Well, Deshaun Watson did the right thing. He locked in his money. He made them pay him for his services, which is what he's supposed to do. Because if Deshaun Watson doesn't take the contract and then he gets hurt, because it's not as if he has not been hurt before. So if he gets hurt and he's not locked into that contract, then the Houston Texans can say, we're not going to pay you. Or we're going to need to put you on a one-year contract and say, show us that you're still the same quarterback. Ask Dak Prescott about that. Dak Prescott coming to the end of his rookie deal, didn't get a new contract with Dallas last year. They franchised him because they keep saying that Dak wanted five years to Cal. I mean, Dak wanted four years to get cl- to get out of the contract quicker to get back to free agency. Dallas wanted him on a five year deal. They keep saying that was the haggle. It really wasn't the money. It was the years. I don't believe that. You can't tell me that one year was going to make a difference. That it that they couldn't work something out. So this whole idea that Deshaun took the money when he knew that the organization was already dysfunctional and he should should not have signed a new deal is ludicrous. You tell me one player in any sport that he if he's at the table or he's about to go to the table to get his major payday that he's going to turn that away. I don't think of any athlete, especially no football players, would do something like that. That would be insane. And that's and you see the end result of Dak not having a long-term contract. Will he get a long-term contract this year? We don't know. But if Dallas decides to franchise him again, it's going to be costing close to $38 million. So it would behoove Dallas to go ahead and sign him to a long-term deal. Because now you franchise him for a second time, you come back a third time, you're not going to franchise him. And then he's going to walk away after earning almost $70 million and then you have nothing to show for it. So you're going to have to come to the table correctly this time. I'm not saying Dak deserves Patrick Mahomes' money. I, in no way. I, this was my argument last year. I don't think that Dak should have been in a $40 million club. But to give him what Carson Wentz, slightly more than what Carson Wentz and Jared Goff was receiving, I was down with that. I agree with that. Because Carson Wentz, although Philadelphia has a Super Bowl on their resume now, he wasn't a quarterback that won the Super Bowl. It was Nick Foles. Nick Foles is the quarterback that has a statue outside of Philadelphia's stadium, not Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is crying his way out of Philadelphia. But again, I have not heard a word from Dick Vermeil, who coached in Philadelphia 
years and years ago, I had not heard a word from Brett Favre about Carson Wentz. That's my problem. I don't think that anybody has the right to criticize someone about how they feel about a certain situation. If Deshaun Watson was out here degrading the Houston Texans organization, that if he was throwing smoke bombs at them, lighting dynamite sticks and throwing it at them, then I get it. I have not heard Deshaun Watson say anything other than the fact that the Texans were not honest with him, that they were not forthright with him in some decisions that were going to be made. And let me say this. I'm not saying that Deshaun Watson has the right to pick the coach. I'm not saying that Deshaun Watson has the right to pick the general manager. But if the organization comes to the player, let's get this, let's, 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 let's change this up. If the organization comes to the player and says, we want you in on the decision making or in on the process of the hiring of the front office, that's not the fault of the player. That's on the organization. And if they're not going to keep their word, then why should Deshaun Watson believe anything going forward? Because just like I'm saying to you right now, if Deshaun Watson does not sign that lucrative deal, and he gets hurt, the Houston Texans are not going to give him that money. They're going to make him play on a one-year incentive deal to show that he is healthy enough to be the guy that he was prior to getting injured. That's what they would have made him do. So for all these people that keep talking about, well, you know, Deshaun Watson got this big deal. He should have never signed the deal if he knew that he was unhappy with the organization. First of all, the Texans should have never named Bill O'Brien as a general manager. That's, let's go back to that. That's number one. Number two, Deshaun Watson didn't trade away his best target, his best offensive player. The organization did. So you want a quarterback. This is what I, my argument has always been for quarterbacks. You want quarterbacks to make, you want them to be Jesus. You want them to make wine out of water because you want everybody to say, oh, if you have talent as a quarterback, you can make a third, you can make a fifth round pick into a second round pick or a a, a fourth or fifth round pick. You can turn them into a number one wide receiver. You're asking for a lot. The quarterback position is a dependent position. I've said that. I've always said that. I don't care how good or great your quarterback is. He is dependent on the weapons that he has around him. Tom Brady has just been the super outliner for a team that for 20 years didn't have the greatest of offensive talent. But what they had was a quarterback that could maneuver and a coach that knew how to create a a defense that could save his offense that the offense didn't have to be superior because he had such a stifling defense year in and year out that's the difference so stop trying to make these quarterbacks create miracles week in and week out if they don't have the talent to suffice Deshaun Watson is Harry Houdini 
because he's created magic every weekend. Now, I know they went 4-12 and this year, but he is not the reason why they were 4-12. and They were 4-12 and because they had mismanagement at the top, and they didn't have the players to get them over the hump. That's why they were 4-12. and It had nothing to do with Deshaun Watson because Deshaun Watson is the reason why they even won four games. So for all these people that want to sit here and point the finger at Deshaun Watson and keep telling him he needs to be quiet and accept the fact that he signed this lucrative deal, you all need to go and you all need to go check yourselves and look at yourselves in the mirror and ask yourself if somebody wanted to pay you a ransom amount of money, would you not sign that deal? And if you tell me you wouldn't sign that deal because you were unhappy with the organization, you're lying. Brett Favre, if the Texans wanted to give you that deal that they gave Deshaun Watson and you were unhappy with the organization, you still would have signed a deal and then came out and expressed your desire to either have them to go out and get the players to surround you with the players that you need or to trade you. You cried about when you had the players there in Green Bay. You cried then. You talked about somebody else's contract. You had a Number one receiver when you were playing that was holding out for to get his money. You had gotten your money. But you're, you're talking about a receiver holding out for his money. And then, unfortunately, Javon got hurt. He tore his ACL. He was never the same player, and he did not get his big payday. But you sat there and you criticized him for holding out, telling him he should be in camp. But nobody, nobody criticized you when you got your money. That's the hypocrisy of sports. That's the hypocrisy of life that there's still, I hate to bring race into this, but there's still white people that don't think that black people should have a voice. They think that whatever we get, like you all are doing us a favor, whether it's a job, whether it's a promotion that you all are doing us a favor, that we have no right to, to say anything because, you you know, it's all like affirmative action. Like, you know, we're doing this. We, we're giving you, you know, we're doing this based on the fact that, you know, we ha- because we have to. You don't have to in sports. That's the only form of employment that you don't have to worry about when, it, when you as a player don't have to worry about any type of any type of affirmative action process because it's just about your talent. Your talent is going to be what gets you where you need to get to. I'm sorry that I've carried on about this rant, but I just it, it just really, really irritates me when people just don't think things through and you're just ignorant to the to the to the to the facts in front of you. And like I said, I wouldn't have a problem with Brett Favre if he wasn't living in a glass house himself. I wouldn't even have a problem with him if he had made reference to current situation with Carson Wentz. I'm not even asking him to go back to 1983 with John Elway or go back to 2004 with Eli Manning. I'm just saying we can stay right here in the now. And you could say that Carson Wentz is doing the same thing that Deshaun Watson's doing. Carson Wentz doesn't have any, any offensive players. They don't have any, any threats. His offensive line is terrible. His secondary is terrible. They're in a, they, they don't want to admit it, but they're in a rebuild mode in Philadelphia. But I don't hear you sitting here criticizing Carson Wentz. But you sure as hell had no problem criticizing Deshaun Watson.
Brett Favre, sit down and shut the hell up. You need to sit down and shut the hell up. I'm going to take a small commercial break, folks. And I'm going to uh, get my second win. And then we're going to talk about what my prediction is for the Super Bowl. And we're also going to talk about some heated attitudes and heated arguments going on in the NBA about a possible All-Star weekend. You are listening to Uptempo Sports. We appreciate you tuning in and we'll be right back. She'll be the death of me, at least we'll both be numb. And she'll always get the best of me, the worst is yet to come. But at least we'll both be beautiful and stay forever young. This I know, this I know. She told me, don't worry about it. She told me, don't worry no more. We both know we can't go without it. She told me you'll never be in love I can feel my face when I'm with you But I love it, but I love it Oh, I can feel my face when I'm with you All right, all right Yes, my attitude has changed. I've had to flip flip my hat backwards now, and I'm ready to talk about the NBA. And, of course, we're going to talk about what we think is going to happen this weekend in the Super Bowl. This is Coach P here on Uptempo Sports 24-7. And before we start talking about the NBA, I just want to piggyback on the Deshaun Watson situation. I just want to say I respect the fact that Deshaun Watson has been a professional throughout this whole process in regards to not completely throwing the Houston Texans organization underneath the bus and not even responding to the ignorance of someone like a Brett Favre. And I'm just going to leave that right there. I want to jump in and jump, jump into this NBA um, situation right now. So the NBA, to me, did a hell of a job last year when we were trying to get sports back. They were the only along with the National Hockey League, to pretty much put their teams in a bubble, in a protective shield hovering over top of them to try to alleviate as many cases of the COVID-19 virus from spreading and causing not only delays in games but also trying to keep the numbers down of their employees of getting sick and I thought that both the NHL and the NBA did a great job and they were the outliners for like Major League Baseball early on we didn't even know if we were going to get a a, a season with Major League Baseball because it seems like every other day when they got started Somebody had broken a protocol for COVID-19 and it was players that were getting infected. We come full circle now to 2021 and now we hear the NBA after telling their players that they would not have an all-star weekend 
or an all-star game, now we hear there's going to be one. The funny part about this is, is that the NFL canceled the Pro Bowl, which is not that big of a deal anyway anymore. There was no NHL all-star game. There was no Major League Baseball all-star game. People can say what they want. And I said this back last year when we got sports back and started talking about how they were going to make this work. I kept trying to tell everybody that cash rules everything around me. Dollar, dollar bills. It's all about money. I'm not saying that the NBA or any of these sports organizations are not concerned about their players, their employees. I'm not saying that at all. Because without them, there is no organization. There are no teams. But at the end of the day, they can't continue to take losses. These networks that are paying this massive this massive contracts for television deals, they can't continue to take on these losses. They have to be able to generate income from somewhere. So Turner, who's out, who is centered around Atlanta, has said that they want this game. Now, it might not be a lot of people in the stands at the game. We know Atlanta has opened up their doors. They were one of the first back in the summer to have, you know, as a state to open their doors to, you know, restaurants being open and people just freelancing, people not necessarily having to be um, locked into wearing masks. But we, we now know how serious that this virus has been. We've got two other strands that we're also dealing with along with trying to get everybody vaccinated at this particular time. So if your players during the course of the regular season that you're trying to complete are having to social distance, wear masks, games again being canceled or having to be stopped because of the fact that you have people that have had to get pulled from games, and we're going to talk about this with Kevin Durant in a second, because of contact tracing, why would you take the chance and have a vast number of players in a city like Atlanta for a weekend? Why would you do that? You've heard players like LeBron, who, to his credit, didn't want the season to start as early as it did. Because again, LeBron had just gotten back from winning the championship in the bubble. And then you turn back around and you don't allow them any time to let their bodies rest before you want to start the season. Because you wanted to get that television money because of so much money that you lost out the door last year when COVID hit. So when are you going to prioritize, really prioritize the health of your employees? Because all the players are saying now, or most of the players are saying now, we thought we were going to get a break. 
get that week off, whether you stayed home, but you 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 stay in an environment where you can relax and let your body unwind with the season being the way it is where you're playing basically seems like every day. But now you want these players to play on an all-star weekend. You heard De'Aaron Fox come out and say it first, that he thought it was stupid, that it was crazy, that they should be playing this game. And like I've heard several commentators come out and say that if you're doing this for the money in regards to trying to say you're going to give this money to charity, then let somebody write a check. Let the NBA write a check. Let let take X number of dollars from each player to donate money to their favorite charities. But this whole idea of having them play is just ludicrous. You've got people like LeBron, Darren Fox, we told you about, James Harden, Giannis. And Giannis came out and said, if LeBron, the, the person that they look to for leadership, if he's coming out and saying that he's dissatisfied with the decision about playing, how can anybody else be on board with doing this? Now, I know there are a lot of young players that, you know, the first time that they would be able to be voted in to get into an all-star game. I get it. You know, everybody wants to be an all-star. But these are unique situations. This is not this is not anything that we've seen before. And so, you know, the players, the league is trying their best to maneuver through the waters of this virus and get everybody through here as healthy as they possibly can. Why would you take this chance? Going back to contact tracing, let's talk about what happened last night with Kevin Durant. We know KD early on during this process was down with COVID himself. We know that several games have been canceled for Brooklyn because of COVID protocols. KD didn't start the game last night against the Toronto Raptors because apparently he had come in contact with somebody. And so they didn't play him to start the game. From the reports that I've heard, KD had three tests taken. They all came back negative. But in the third quarter of last night's game against the Toronto Raptors, KD was pulled from the lineup. So if KD is pulled because of contact tracing, why are you allowing, number one, that game to be finished? Number two, for either one of these two teams to play the next day instead of being quarantined. If Kevin Durant was healthy enough based on the fact that he had passed COVID protocol with taking three tests and they all came back negative, but then you turn back around and say that the person who he came in contact with had a positive result, then you pull him. How are you saving the rest of the players that Kevin Kevin Durant came in contact with? If he's being pulled because of contact tracing, shouldn't everybody be pulled off the floor? Shouldn't this game be postponed and replayed possibly at a later date? Because I don't know how you feel that by pulling Kevin Durant, that if by, by chance, the slight chance that he did or could have had COVID, that... He wouldn't be able to pass that along to not only his teammates, 
but also the Toronto Raptors. I mean, it just makes no sense. At some particular point, I get it. Not only do we as fans want our sports, not only do these leagues want to provide us with these sports and they want to make their money, but at some point you got to use common sense. Like Kevin Durant said, you all are sitting here making it, you all up here sitting and making up stuff as it goes along and making it seem like that people can't read between the lines, that people are stupid. You're telling me that you pulled me from a game because of contact tracing because someone that I came in contact with their results were positive even though I took three tests and I was negative but you don't feel the need to shut down my whole team because I could have possibly given something to somebody else on the team or to the Toronto Raptors as well that just makes no sense and I don't understand how the NBA can actually sit here and convince us that the this this particular method or protocol is sufficient because it doesn't make sense if you're going to pull a player who has tested negative for contact tracing why would you not pull the entire team and then reschedule the games that are coming up just like you've been doing all season long you know that it's going to be a struggle to get through these games. I know that the season's been shortened by 10 games instead of 82. We got 72. But even if you find yourself having to maybe take some games off the back end, maybe you don't get to the 72. Maybe you only get to 62. Maybe you only get to 60. Isn't that better than putting players in arm's way? Isn't that better than rolling the dice and thinking that you pull X or Y player because of contact tracing and then come to find out that somebody else on the team now has COVID and then you're scrambling trying to figure out just like what happened last year. Remember in Utah, the game between the Thunder and the Utah Jazz, that game ended up they right minutes before the game. You had to pull it because you found out that Donovan Mitchell had COVID. And then Rudy Gobert tried to make fun of it, make fun of the whole big deal about the whole COVID process, and then come to find out days later, he's got COVID. So now you have to go back and you have to make sure that everybody, from the workers, from the people that were in the stands, that were at the game, the players on both teams, that they all have to get tested to see if they, by chance, were infected. I get it, NBA. You are a billion-dollar industry, just like the NFL. I get it. You got to get your money. You got to make your money to pay these players. I understand that. But at the end of the day, is it really worth the risk when you are putting in these protocols to prohibit people from getting sick and then you don't follow the protocol all the way through? You're half-ass, excuse me, half-assing doing what you're saying that you want to do, which is protect your employees, which are the players. And then you turn back around and you want to sign off on an all-star weekend. You say, yeah, you're going to kind of put them in a quote-unquote bubble in Atlanta. They're not going to be staying at hotels. They're going to be staying at residence. So they're only going to be there for, you know, 
48 hours for two days and then they're going to fly out on private jets. You know, just like I know, that if you're in Atlanta, in a major city that's wide open, somebody is going to get out. I mean, think of it like this. Remember, Lou Williams left the bubble last year to go to a friend's funeral. While he was in Atlanta, which nobody knew he was going to go to Atlanta because apparently the services were in Florida, but he left Florida and went to Atlanta. And then he stopped in Magic City at a particular place, a gentleman's club, to get some wings. Come on, folks. These are millionaires. Somebody is going to say, you know what, I'm going to do my thing. I'm fine. I'm going to do it. Do what I want to do. I know that you're sitting here saying, well, they're they're adults and they should be a little bit more. Not respectable, but a little bit more responsible in their actions. But again, these are not just ordinary people. These are grown men with a lot of money in their pockets, in their bank accounts, and they're going to do what the hell they want to do if the opportunity presents itself. So to me, the NBA should scratch this whole all-star weekend idea, write a check to these charities or if they need to negotiate something with Turner, where maybe they have to give Turner a little bit of money back. But something needs to be done other than having these players being exposed in this environment. It just makes no sense. While we're talking about LeBron, let's let's tip our hat to the king himself. LeBron James, a few nights ago against the Denver Nuggets, once again, the king reigns supreme, triple-double. And with that, LeBron, in that game, surpassed the great Will Chamberlain to be third on the list for career field goals. He also recorded his 96 triple-double on that night. What else do we have to say about LeBron to convince you all that he should be sitting at the table with Michael Jordan? Nobody has to say that he's better than Mike. We're not asking you to say that. We're not even asking you to say that he has to be the GOAT. But what, we're, but what we are saying is this. You keep dismissing all the achievements that this man keeps putting up. You keep making it seem like that what he has done can be done by anyone. And that's just not true. LeBron has been a phenomenal basketball player on top of being a phenomenal philanthropist and leader in the world of sports. Just give him that much respect. You might not like all the things that he does. You might not like the fact that people are, have the audacity in, some of, in the minds of some of you to compare him to Michael Jordan. But if, if you can't see the greatness, not only in him as the basketball player, but him as the man, then you have 
clearly missed the opportunity to see greatness in your lifetime. Just because we anoint somebody else as being great doesn't mean the person before them was not great. Doesn't mean that the person that we're saying is great now makes them greater than the person prior. It just means that you have to give them their due. That's what it means. If we were saying something that was untrue or wouldn't, couldn't be supportive, then I understand all the criticism and backlash that you would be spitting out. But everything that LeBron has done can be substantiated. His statistics speaks for itself. His game speaks for itself. And in his 18th season, he doesn't look like he's slowing down. That's the thing. We talk about Tom Brady being 43 years old and still playing football at such a high level. LeBron James is in his 18th season in the NBA. Third most minutes played this season, if I'm not mistaken. And he's still putting up incredible numbers. And we still have people that want to say it's a facade. He's just not that good. You people are ridiculous and if you actually say that about LeBron you're ignorant on top of it LeBron James even if he does not categorically in the eyes of many surpass Michael Jordan will still be one of the greatest players of all time to ever lace up a pair of tennis shoes and play on a hardwood floor that is without a doubt The Lakers have won their last 11 out of 14, as now they have a five-game homestead stand as well. But the hottest team in the NBA right now is the Utah Jazz. They have won 14 out of 15, and their three-point shooting has been a catalyst for their hot start this year. Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Bogdanovich, Mike Conley, Mr. Ingles. That Utah Jazz team has been a problem all season long. And if they continue to get the shooting that they've gotten right now early on in this season, if they can carry that over when we get closer to the playoffs, that is going to be instrumental in deciding how far they can actually go in the Western Conference this year. But the NBA needs to take a stand and look themselves in the mirror and do what's right Not only by their product, but by their players as well. All right, let's talk about what we came here to talk about. And that is the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes and TB12 won Tom Brady with square off in a little over 24 hours in Super Bowl 55. That in itself is historic 55 years of excellent entertainment 55 years of putting the two best teams on center stage for the opportunity to be a champion that's what we're sitting at and we'll be waiting for tomorrow Tom Brady going for number seven Tom Brady Playing in his 10th. Let me say that again. Tom Brady. 
going for number seven. Tom Brady playing in his 10th Super Bowl. That is unheard of and will never be duplicated. I'm, I'm on record to say that those two feats will never be duplicated. That we see a player playing for seven championships and playing in 10 championship games. We'll never see that again. Not in the NFL. Now, we have that on the flip side. We just talked about LeBron. We know LeBron has been to 10 NBA Finals. You just don't you just don't get these type of players. These type of players just don't come around every year. These type of players are one in a million. What Tom Brady has been able to do has been phenomenal this year. Has he been the best in the playoffs? Not necessarily. But that's why this is a team sport. It's not tennis. So we're not saying that Tom Brady has to win every set. That is all on him. That's why he has a team surrounding him. He has a really good defense and he has weaponry on the offensive side of the ball. And with that being said, that provides him the opportunity to be able to do something historic on Sunday. Me personally, do I believe that Tampa Bay will win this game? No, I don't. I think that Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City will win this game. And I want to point out two factors why. Week 12, when these two teams matched up, Tyreek Hill torched the Tampa Bay secondary. He had over 200 receiving yards. And Todd Bowles, who is one of the most outstanding defensive coaches in the NFL, could not make an adjustment. Now, I know he's had two weeks to go back over film and try to decipher exactly what's the best route to defend not only Tyreek Hill, but Travis Kelsey. But let me explain something to you guys. You always look at the, the end game, meaning that you saw the score and it was 27-24, and you say, well, Tampa Bay had an opportunity to win this game. It was 17-0 early on in this game. And Kansas City was driving. They had the ball first at the, at the five-yard line. I think it was first and goal or second and goal, and they fumbled. That's what got Tampa Bay reignited into this game had they gone in and scored a touchdown Tampa would have been down 24 to nothing even if they get a field goal they would have been down 20 to nothing there was another sequence where Kansas City was in the red zone at the one yard line settle for a field goal when do you watch an Andy Reid team since he's been in Kansas City and they're in the red zone with Patrick Mahomes, and they don't go for it. That tells you all you need to know. That's potentially 10 to 14 points that they left on the field. So if the final score was 27-24, Kansas City, you add on another 10 or 14 points, you're looking at 37-24, 41-24. So for all these people that keep saying, well, it's going to come down to the final drive, who has the ball last, I, I beg to differ. We know Kansas City doesn't have the same defense that Tampa has. We also know that Kansas City is going to be without their left tackle, Eric Fisher. But we do know this. Andy Reid knew two weeks ago that he was going to be without his left tackle. 
he knew when they beat Buffalo in the AFC Championship game that his left tackle was not going to be available for this Super Bowl. So he had already started making plans on how to get the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands quicker. He'd already started orchestrating plays that were going to allow Patrick to do what he needs to do to be effective. And I want to apologize for keep calling him Pat because I know that that's not what he wants to be called. He wants to be called Patrick Mahomes, and I get it. Um, so I'm going to stop calling that man Pat like we're friends like that, and I have the right to call him. I'm going to call him by his name. His name is Patrick. I'm going to call him Patrick. Um, but with that being said, you all act like Tampa Bay and Tom Brady were destroying teams in the playoffs. New Orleans, their defense came to life against New Orleans and got three critical turnovers, but they were down in that game, if you recall. Drew Brees was the catalyst in that game for Tampa because he just couldn't throw the ball. And why he hasn't announced his retirement yet, I have no idea. You've already been set up. They, NBC set you up with a job. You don't, even have to, you don't even have to audition. You don't have to work for it. They're, giving, they're handing you a job, which I think is ludicrous too. But I digress. Tom Brady threw three interceptions in the Green Bay game. Tampa's defense pretty much was a stalwart that won that game for them. Not Tampa's offense necessarily, but Green Bay's defense. Second half, Tom Brady did nothing offensively. Green Bay just didn't take advantage of the opportunities that they had when Tom Brady threw, the, when Tom Brady threw them back the ball. Now, part of that can be that Tampa's defense rose to the occasion. Part of it could be the fact that Green Bay didn't make the necessary adjustments in order for them to be able to make plays to get into the end zone. Either way, Tom Brady goes into this game and he turns the ball over three times. They will not beat Kansas City. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you that right now. There's no way in the world they'll cre- they, they have three turnovers against Kansas City and they're going to come out on the winning end. It's not going to happen. With that being said, do I think this game will be a really good game? I absolutely do. Now, they're calling for rain showers. So I don't know if we're going to get the scoreboard lighting up as much as we think. I still think there's a possibility that this game will go over what the predicted amount of points is. I like Kansas City 38 to 30 in this game or 38 32. I think they will cover the spread, and I think it would also be the over. I just don't see how, even with Tampa having the weapons that they have, I just don't see how they stop Patrick Mahomes. Now, can they get to Pat? Absolutely. Todd Bowles, like I said, is an outstanding defensive coordinator, and I'm sure that they, with, with them having limited um, availability on the offensive line of some of the key players that they had that they'll figure out a way to try to maybe blitz some more and get him off his spot. But on the other side, you have the same thing with Kansas City. With Steve Spagnola, who was a defensive coordinator for those two giant teams that beat Tom Brady and the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. So he's familiar with Tom. He knows what, Tom's li- what Tom Brady likes. He knows what rattles Tom Brady even at this particular point in his career. 
So he's going to scheme up some stuff too. So it should be a battle of mad scientists, Todd Bowles against Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy. But I just like Kansas City to capture back-to-back championships, and they will be the only the second team to do that since the New England Patriots did it in 2003 and 2004. But I think we'll be highly entertained. I think it will be a really good game. But I do like the Kansas City Chiefs to come out victorious. I just want to say I hope that everybody has a great weekend and that you enjoy your football. And, you know, as we were talking about sports and the decisions that some of these organizations made, we're we're looking at the same thing going on in college basketball right now. So many games have had to be stopped or not played due to the coronavirus. And that has made it a situation where you have teams like Kentucky, Duke, even my team, Carolina, not having the, the opportunity to have the continuity with the young freshmen that were coming in that were highly touted. And that has made a difference on the season. Now you'll have the clash of the blue, blue bloods today between Carolina and Duke at Duke. It's not going to be the same as it would be if you had fans in the stands. Carolina has made a remarkable recovery from the way they started the season off, but then they dropped a big game the other night against NC State. I was a little disappointed in the performance that they showed up against them. But Roy has had to deal with the fact that he's got young guards and trying to get them acclimated. This has been one of those seasons, and I just think that it's going to be a team that has more seasoned upperclassmen that are going to be the ones that we see at the doorstep of the Final Four and in the championship this year. I don't see many teams with freshmen that they've had to depend on that are going to be the ones that are going to be cutting down the nets. I could be wrong. But I've watched Gonzaga. Gonzaga is a really good team. I've seen Baylor in spurts. They have a lot of size. I'm just concerned about them being able to score um, in a half-court setting. But this is why we like March Madness. And they are taking the precautions to have a bubble scenario once the tournament starts. But this is what we're going to have for a while, folks. This is what we're going to have in sports. We're going to have the inconsistencies because of the fact that we're still trying to maneuver through this COVID era. With that, we say thank you again for tuning in. We hope that you enjoy your sports this weekend. We hope that if you do have Super Bowl parties, that you will be cautious in which the number of people that you have and that you'll be careful. We Hope the game will be as entertaining as we anticipated as being, and we hope that the commercials will be a lot better than they were last year. So with that, just remember to tune in to us on our social platforms, Google, Spotify, and Apple. And as we always say before we leave, it's always same bad time, same bad channel. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your opportunity to kick back Get your favorite drink, your favorite food, relax, and toast. Take care. Until the next. Peace.